want to welcome all our campuses in today. Great to have you with us. I uh, trust you've enjoyed the first part of your service already. And we're coming now to the Word of God. And we're in uh, Matthew 27, verse 65, which says, uh, this is after Jesus has died, you have a guard of soldiers, go and make it as secure as you can. So we know the story after Jesus had died, they rolled a big stone up against the tomb and, uh, and then they went to, the, the Pharisees went to Pilate and they said, look, can we seal the stone and also can we set a guard um, at the tomb? And so they gave it their best shot to keep Jesus down. It was hopeless then, it's hopeless now, it will forever be hopeless. They will never keep Jesus down. They never knocked him down in the first place. He laid his own life down, and uh, so they'll never be able to limit or restrict him in any possible way. And you know, when it looks like Jesus is dead and buried, he's doing something in the dark. He's doing something amazing in the dark. In fact, he goes to the bowels of the earth and he rises. The resurrection happens and takes place. Uh, but you know, the thought I have for this right now is for you, sometimes... Uh, it looks like you're stuck in the dark and that nothing is taking place. I'm here to tell you today that in your darkness, God is doing something incredible. God is doing something amazing. You can't see it, you don't know it, but God is the master of the dark. Do not ever think Satan controls the dark. Do never think that Satan's controlling your life. He never controls your life. God controls your life. God is the master of the dark. And in the dark, he is always doing some incredible and amazing things. If we could dare to believe it, and uh, then we'd see the result of that. Christianity, or the world thinks that Jesus and Christianity is on the decline. They think that they're eradicating it. For 20 centuries, the world has done its best to bring an end to this carpenter, uh, in Nazareth to bring an end to Christianity. But friends, uh, they are failing miserably because Christianity is exploding across the globe. They will never bring it to an end. They will never eradicate Christianity. You cannot eradicate God. And at the end of the day, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the end, we win. In the end, we win. Doesn't matter what it looks like, what's happening in the world, but God will have the final say. So with that, I wanna ask a question. What is the most important cause on the earth? Well, what should you live your life for? In fact, here's the question. What do you live your life for? What is the thing that burns strongest in your heart? What is the most, is it to feed the hungry? Is it global warming? Is it to raise your family well? Is it to see an end to all wars? Peace on earth? They're fantastic causes, and if you're into any of those, good for you. But there's one cause that trumps every other cause, and it's known as the Great Commission. Yeah. Great Commission to help reach lost people with the good news of Jesus. We read in uh, the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Our role, we're invited to be 
kingdom builders, and that's what this is all about, to join God in his great mission to bring heaven to earth and to reach those who don't know Jesus with the good news of salvation. You know, one of our cultures is beyond is our purpose. And so we want to join with God in uh, all the things that are listed here that we want to do as a part of our mission, primarily to reach those who don't know Jesus. But obviously, we add to that to, you know, to train pastors, leaders, plant churches, uh, uh, you know, be available to help in disaster relief and earthquakes and famines. All these things we do as Church Unlimited, by the way, helping with conflicts like Ukraine and Afghanistan, all that stuff, all a part, you know, caring for those in the needy, the food bank, all the rest of it. There's a whole list of things here that we do as a part of being kingdom builders, of bringing heaven to earth in every phase of society, in every area of society. And we want to enjoy, uh, encourage you to fill in one of these forms today online. If you can contact the office, grab one of these things, and we can take care of that for you. And all you've got to do is pray. And I want to encourage you right now, as I'm speaking for the next 20 minutes or so, pray and say, God, how much do you want me to give? to the advancement of your king. This is over and above your tithes, giving to the work of world mission, national mission in New Zealand, in our community, everywhere. And just ask God. You may have already decided what it is, but maybe ask God. So what we talk about here is you give out of your known income, but then what you can believe God through faith that you can give also to the cause of mission. And uh, one of the things that I've found about this is when we become kingdom builders, it actually releases the miraculous. You might say, really? I'm saying, really, it does, in three ways. Number one, it releases the miraculous when we go. Mark 16, verse 15 to 18, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. What's going to happen after that? These signs, the miraculous, starts to flow. No go, no signs. No go, no miraculous. These signs will follow them. In my name, they'll cast out demons. There's a whole lot of other things there. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, one simple step of going intentionally into the harvest fields of the world can unlock the miraculous in your life and in my life as well. You know, the majority uh, of the time that Jesus and the early church, the majority of their miracles, we need to understand this, were not inside the four walls of a church or the temple, they're actually in the marketplace. That's when God's power goes into overdrive. And I think one of the great calls of the church today is to get out there <laughs> and begin to see the miraculous take place. Everything we are about is everybody who's not here. Everything we are about is everybody that's not here. Just check this empty seat next to you. That's what we are about, filling all the seats in every church with all the people who are not here. That has to be our focus, and I think one of the dangers is, is we get trapped inside the four walls, and we're not thinking enough beyond ourselves and the people who are not yet in this place. See, the marketplace ministry, listen to this for a moment. It's not, it doesn't mean that you know, it's not you're a nurse, a teacher, a builder, whatever you do, and um, who happens to be a Christian. No, no, no. You're a Christian first who happens to be 
a builder, a nurse, a teacher, an IT worker, a salesperson. And it's a vocation God has given you to reach the people around you. I wonder if you think like that, that the reason you're a nurse, the reason you're a builder, the reason you're a, a lawyer or a doctor, whatever it is, is to actually reach those who are around. It's a shift in our thinking. You know, we think we have a job and I, I happen to be a Christian. No, 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 you're a Christian and God gives you a vocation. Why does he give you a vocation? Yeah, to make some money, that's, but that's not really the real reason for it. The real reason is to show the love of God to all the people that are around you. You know, God loves the marketplace. Jesus loves the marketplace, and he loves the people in your workplace. He loves that person in the office next to you that you can't stand the sight of. He loves your boss that you think could be a lot better than he is. He, he loves the people in your marketplace, and he's put you there because he wants you to do what you can to reach them and to win them. That's why Jesus spent most of his time in the marketplace. He really did. And guess what? The amazing thing about Jesus is that sinners loved him. They absolutely loved him. He was the most righteous, godly, holy person ever on the planet. Don't ever think that your Christian faith and your strength of holiness and godliness is going to turn people away. If you look at Jesus, it actually attracts people long as you do it with unconditional love. And I think that is the key. That, that the marketplace people, they loved Jesus. <clears throat> he was a friend of sinners. End of a service, I read this uh, new Christian, wonderfully saved. He goes up to the pastor and he says, pastor, when do we do it? When do we do the stuff? The pastor says, what stuff are you talking about? He said, you know. He said, what? no, no, you know, you know Mark 16. You know, when, when do we go? and tell people about Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what the pastor said, but I can imagine the pastor, oh, no, no, no. But we, folk, we, we develop a fantastic program. We put on a service to, that's just, we kill it with our service. The music is amazing. The preaching is fantastic. The fellowship and all, the, all is, is awesome. We have coffee and tea and coffee carts afterwards. <laughs> and then we tell the people, we tell the come on in. And they reply and say, pastor, we ain't coming. <laughs> You want us to come? You gotta come and find us. Gotta go out and get them, friends. And I think the danger is we spend so much time on a great service (laughs) that we forget to get people to the service. And that's what the Great Commission is all about, and that's what we're talking about in being kingdom builders. The whole point of Christianity is not waiting for church, it's being the church wherever you are, wherever you go. When you go to work tomorrow, be the church, okay? Don't worry about inviting them to this church. That's a part, they'll come eventually, but be the church wherever you are tomorrow. So just tell the person next to you, I'm going to church tomorrow. (laughs) That was pretty quiet. Come on, got a bit more volume there. You going to church tomorrow? (laughs) Look, listen, I... I know some of you may have, already, may have lost some of you already online or in-house, but look, if we don't get this, if we don't get this, quite frankly, we're not gonna get very far. We're just not gonna make much progress because every, everything we're about is everyone who's not here. And so we have gotta shift our hearts. Really, God's gotta shift my heart, your heart, and all of our hearts um, to go into the right direction. So I'm off to Egypt very soon. Next month, I'm going off to Egypt and uh, doing a conference there on revival. And uh, you know, why am I going? 
well, I, I can't stay locked inside the four walls, so I've got to stay on mission. I've got to keep doing what God has called us to do. And really today is a fresh call to, hey, let's, let's stay on mission. Let's stay on the task of what God has asked us to do. You know, shut down, lockdown. Some of us have shut down and locked down our reaching out to other people. So, but we can't stop that. We've got to have a fresh call. Let's go keep going out there. When I travel overseas or in New Zealand, the one thing I hate, I hate with uh, everything within me, is if I end up in a middle seat. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Two of us, all right? The rest of you never traveled. Okay. I just hate the middle seat because it's just so uncomfortable, it's so awful. And so when I book, I always check and make sure I've got an aisle seat and I virtually always get an aisle seat, at worst maybe a window seat because I don't want to be surrounded by people who want to whatever anyway. So I hate the, I hate the middle seat. <laughs> but you know, once I get to uh, Egypt or wherever, I forget about the middle seat if I was stuck in it because I've got to my destination. Once you're at your destination, the middle seat doesn't really matter anymore. Maybe you feel right now in life, you're in the middle seat. It's just not a lot of fun. You're doing your best to serve God, you're sacrificing, you're, you know, you're investing in the kingdom, you're a kingdom builder, you're praying, maybe you fast, you, know, you come to church, you serve and all the rest of it. But there's hurts, there's pains, there's disappointments and you just, gosh, man, I, I'm, I'm just in the middle seat. What you've got to remember is once you get to the destination, once you get to your next life, once you get to the end of this life and into the next life with Jesus in heaven forever, you'll forget about the middle seat. See, it's not all about how this life deal, treats us. It's not all about you know, having it all going well for us in this life. We, we, it's not all about this life. We get through this life, we live through this life with our eyes fixed on the next, as ours fixed on eternity. And friends, if we, if we don't get a revelation of this, that it's not all about this life, uh, we, we're gonna be depressed and discouraged a lot of the time because this life doesn't deal too well to us. It's a very tough, how many of you know this is a tough place to live? It's challenging, it's discouraging, it's depressing at times. But friends, we ain't got to our destination. If we keep our eyes on the goal, if we keep our eyes on the t destination, then the fact that we're stuck in the middle seat for a period of time does not matter nearly so much at all. It all changes. So let's stay on mission. So the first way to get your miracle is by going. So second way, being a kingdom builder, hold on, and uh, getting a miracle is by serving. Serving. Serving, I believe, can release the miraculous in your life. You know, God expects all of us to do our part. Is that right? You know, every part does its share. As I was sharing the other day, that we all do the dishes. I hope in your house, you all do the dishes. All the husbands said. Yeah. <laughs> problem is, problem is, some people won't do the dishes. And it causes a bit of conflict, and so others carry all the weight. It's the same in the church, you know? We all do the dishes. We all serve, we all do our part. We don't have to do more than our part, but let's not do less than our part. If we do our part, then no one has to do too much, and uh, we can all enjoy the journey together. But what, one of the reasons to serve is that 
it releases the blessing of God on your life. It's, look, when you pour out, God pours in. You know, the more you pour out for God, the more he pours in for you. You, you give to receive. You know, you pour out to receive in. And sometimes if we're not serving, if we're not doing anything, I think we're just, we, we lose, we're probably losing ground because we've got to pour out to pour in. But you know, you know in the 2 Kings chapter 9, there's a story about the Shunammite woman. We're not going to go into the details. But one of the things she does is there's a prophet around in those days. And so they, so they build him a room so when he's passing through, he can stay there. And so... That's her form of serving. She serves the church, the prophet in this case, and uh, what happens? Well, it's amazing. She gets two miracles. Number one, she has no children, and God blesses her with a child. I think the husband was quite old, if I've got the stories right, in this case. But then later on, the child actually dies and is raised back to life. When you serve, seriously folks, it opens the door for God to pour in his blessing and even his miraculous and his supernatural into your life. One of the problems with this is we can't quite connect, oh well I did the serving, therefore God bless my life. Look, I've spent my entire Christian life of over 40 years now and never was there a year in which I didn't serve with passion and zeal and gave my everything. And, and God has, has wonderfully blessed my life. You know, as I've poured out, God has poured in. Some people often ask me, how do you get the fire? How do you keep the fire? I'm telling you, one of the ways you get the fire, keep the fire, is when you pour out. You know, because when you pour out, you, God sees that you need fire to keep on pouring out, so he just pours back into us. But when you serve, it releases the miraculous. That's the second way. Now, the third way in which you can be a kingdom builder and also release the miraculous, and that is through giving, giving financially. So I'm gonna show you a verse of scripture that if you can take on board, it's gonna change your life. Who's ready for a verse to change your life forever? Here we go. Matthew 6, verse 22 to 23. Let the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Now the word for good here is haplos. And the word haplos means generous. So if your eye, eye is generous, your whole being will be full of the light and the blessing of God, all right, if your eye is generous. The word for uh, evil, you know, if your eye is bad, if your eye is evil, which means ungenerous, if your eye is ungenerous, your whole life is full of darkness. So folks, we need to all do a generosity assessment. Generosity with our finances, with our love, our gifts, our serving, just any area of life. Because my Bible teaches me here that if I am a generous person, you know, sometimes it's good to ask people around you, do you think I'm a generous person? It's a really good question to ask. Because if you are, your whole life is full of light, the blessing, the favor, the goodness of God. But if we're not generous, the Bible says our life's full of darkness. We struggle. It's a battle. It's hard and in so many different ways. To me, as I read through this, I thought this verse is actually the key to life. If we can get this. So just 
say to the person next to you, it's time to be more generous. <laughs> they might punch you back, but I don't care. Come on, let's say it again. Let's be generous. <laughs> let's be generous. So now, why don't we change it? God, help me to be more generous. God, help me to be more generous. Say it again. God, help me to be more generous. You know, because why? For my sake? No, not even for God's sake, for your own sake. You know, this is the upside down gospel, isn't it? You gotta what? Give to receive. You gotta sow to reap. You gotta die to live. You gotta, you know, you gotta, it's always the opposite of what we think we have to do. Anyway, so the widow of Zarephath, this is another widow. 1 Kings 17, there's this famine. Bit like New Zealand probably, bit of a famine in the land economically. So she's down to her last meal, and then her and her son, she's going to eat our last meal, and then we're going to die. The good old Elijah the prophet comes along, and he says, give me your last meal. If I was that widow, I would have said, on your bike, mate. <laughs> I'm not giving you my last meal. But she must have been a woman of God. She must have understood something. So she gives him the last meal. Have you got that? Before they're going to die, last meal, gone. What happens? Miracles begin to flow. The, the jar of flour doesn't run out, and the jug of oil doesn't run dry. Right throughout the whole famine, God does an economic miracle in this woman's life. I'm telling you, friends, giving financially releases the miracle power of God in just amazing, amazing ways. But that's not all that happened because when her son died later on, God raises the child to life. I can only track it back to the fact of the great generosity of this woman in a time where it was, seemed almost foolish to be generous, but she was regardless. Remember the boy who gives five loaves and two fishes? How many of you reckon that was a real sacrifice? How many of you got a kid that was probably seven, eight years old, they take their lunch to school and they're gonna give it away to somebody? Not likely, he does. <laughs> I don't know what motivated him to do it, but he does do it, and what happens? Miracles flow. Yeah. 5,000 are fed. And I truly believe that, you know, an outward focus, I guess not just financial, but an outward focus on others. A generosity towards others is a key to our own breakthrough and struggle. I, I read about this top psychologist, and they asked him this question. They said, look, if you come across a person who's struggling desperately, what, what advice would you give them? They'd say, well, get out of your house, shut the door, Go across the road, find someone in desperate need, and help them out. He reckons that's probably the best thing you could do to come free of your own personal struggle. Look, if you're like me, <laughs> like, you're like, if we're all, all the same in this, when I've got a personal struggle, guess what happens? My whole focus goes on me. That's all I care about. I've got to get through this battle. I've got to get through the struggle. But really, the way to get through it is take your focus off yourself Take your focus onto other people and then watch the miracle power of God flow in your life. Look, this is not a call to get more money because it doesn't come to me. This goes to kingdom building. I just want to talk to you for a few minutes. Next five minutes. This is a shift from a scarcity mindset. I want to try and shift you to an abundance mindset. Well, what is that about? 
Well, a scarcity mindset thinks, always thinks I'll never have enough. An abundance mindset says there will always be more than enough. It's a mindset that we carry in our lives. See, generosity is not about giving what's required in your job, in your serving, in your loving, in your finances. It's actually about giving more than's required. That's an abundance mindset. See, an abundance mindset wants to go over and above in all areas of life. You know, we've talked about fear recently, right? Do you know one of the greatest fears people have? I'm not gonna have enough. Want enough to feed the kids, to get my clothing, to pay the mortgage. When the bills come in, I'm just not gonna have enough. And there's a real fear that begins to grip and fill our hearts. But remember how we taught about you recently? That God looks after the, the clothes, the flowers, and he feeds the birds. <laughs> he's gonna look, look after the birds and the flowers that are here a minute and gone the next. Surely he's going to look after you. If we understand some of the biblical concepts, you know, some people say, well, it, does, it just doesn't work. But I think it doesn't work if we don't follow the biblical pattern of what makes it work. You know, what makes, it, what makes these things come to pass and happen in our lives. So what tends to happen is this, is in any area we cling to, that area doesn't flourish. That area doesn't prosper because we're holding on, because we have to release something, in, we have to sow it in order for it to reap back and to get back what God wants to give us. So if we hold back, we, we lose the thing. So, you know, we said last week, was it? The story you tell yourself is the story you're gonna live out. So when it comes to abundance, you know, if you, if you have a, if a scarcity mindset, if that's the story you tell yourself, you'll always have scarcity. If you have an abundance mindset, and that's the story you tell yourself, God will work it so you have an abundance in your life. So it's a real mind shift uh, change that we need to take. See, anything you give to God, listen to this. If you didn't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. Online, you're listening? Listen to this. Anything you give to God does not leave your life. It goes into your future, and it multiplies. It doesn't leave you. You think, oh, I've just lived. No, 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 it does not leave you. It goes into your future and it actually multiplies. So Hannah has one boy. She's desperate to have a, a child. God gives her a child after much heartache and all the rest of it. She gets uh, Samuel and probably thinks, I'm never going to have any more. What does she do with Samuel? She gives Samuel to God. And then God gives her five more children. What you give to God doesn't leave you, it multiplies. It multiplies, it increases, it enlarges. You know, it's, we, but if we don't get the revelation, see that's an abundance mindset. Abundance mindset, doesn't matter what I give to God, I'm never gonna run out, God's gonna look after me, he's gonna take care of me, but we gotta have the faith in our hearts to actually believe that because it is actually biblical. Henry Nguyen, who's very well regarded, highly respected, said this, when we refrain from giving with a scarcity mentality, the little we have becomes less. Wow. When we hold on, the little we have becomes less. When we give generously with an abundance mentality, what we give away will multiply. multiply. And we see this all through the Bible. He's not the God of enough. <laughs> He's the God of more than enough. You know, for example, God takes what? Five loaves, two fishes. He feeds 5,000 and what? 12 baskets falls left over. Your mother didn't create leftovers. Jesus did. 
He is the God of the leftovers. He's the God of the more than enough. He's the God of the excess. He's the God of the overflow. He's the God who looks after us. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. He is more than enough. But do we, you know, for, <laughs> I'm gonna give you a couple of scriptures in a minute. So here we go. If God tells you to do something, will you obey? Will you trust him? Will you sacrifice? Will you have an abundance mindset that if you obey God and whatever it is, he's gonna take care of you? A lot of people can't get there. They say, oh no, no, if I do that, what's gonna happen? No, no, if I obey in that area, what's gonna, if I serve here, if I give the, what's gonna happen? A scarcity mindset's always worried that you're not gonna get looked after. It's not gonna work. An abundance mindset doesn't hesitate because it knows that God is gonna look after a person who does it. Let me give you Psalm 23, verse one, and the NIV says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. How many of you have got the Lord as your shepherd? Half of you. There's going to alter call at the end, give you a chance to become a Christian. The Lord, if the Lord's your shepherd, the Bible says, I lack nothing. Really? Well, let's go to the message translation. It says this, God is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I just want you to reflect on that for a few moments. What, 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 a, what on earth is the scripture saying? I believe what the Bible is actually saying is if I have Jesus, it's what Sam was led us in that, that uh, time earlier, if I have Jesus, I have everything. We just gotta get this mindset in our brains. If I've got Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need a thing. I lack nothing. So it's a good mindset. So I want to come back to what I've been saying quite a bit lately is do we actually believe this book? Or is it just, you know, nice reading? Oh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but I don't believe that for a minute. No, I want a lot, you know. Jesus isn't enough for me. You know, that's, that verse actually is not really true. Well, if that's not true, what about the other verses? Are they true? It's time, friends, to believe the Bible. We've got to believe what the book says. And I, I want to start preaching a whole lot more uh, that, the statement that uh, says, Jesus plus nothing is everything I need. Jesus plus nothing is the answer to all I have. Look, either Jesus is enough or he is not. How many of you say that Jesus is enough? Is God enough for your life? Or do we need a whole lot of other props and add-ons and extras? Because if we do, we're only in a religion like any other religion. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is enough. That if you have Jesus, you have everything you will ever need. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes not on your finances, not on your family, not on everything else around you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is more than enough. He is my shepherd. I lack nothing. God is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. Jesus is enough. And if he's not, we're all in trouble. Either he can meet our every need or he can't. What are you facing today? Can he meet that need? Is he the answer? Or are you gonna look in 50 other different directions? Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's all about him, it's always been about him, and it will forever be about Jesus. You know, it made no sense for the widow to give her two last mites in the offering. I finish with this. 
The main benefit of giving is its effect on the giver. Yeah, people overseas, Africa, India, New Zealand, they need financial help. But my need to give is as desperate as their need to receive. Because giving does something in my heart that revolutionizes and transforms my life. You'll never find a tight-fisted person as a happy person. Because it's contrary to the universe. It's contrary to God's creation. God is a giver, for God so gave the world. That's the way the universe operates, is by giving. So when we have a scarcity mindset of holding on, we're out of sync with the universe. <laughs> we're out of tune with how the world operates, how Christianity operates, and how our lives operate as well. So you were born for such a time as this. Can I encourage you? Join us. Grab your form in being a kingdom builder. Join us in mission. And for your own life, release the miraculous by going, by serving, by giving to the work of God. In Jesus' name, amen.